to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. You know, the average spending this year on Christmas, 2012, in the midst of all this financial uh, uncertainty that we're having, is that the average spending this year on Christmas, including Hanukkah, Hanukkah excuse me, and Kwanzaa, is over $800 per person. And probably, if we're honest, we might have actually done that a little bit more, but about $800 per person for a total of $457 billion dollars given away for that gift. And I want to tell you, are you ever looking for that perfect gift? Do you have someone in your life that someone is that most difficult person to shop for? Do you have someone, are you married to that person? Be careful now, I do do, I do, do marriage counseling too, so be careful how you answer that. But there's always something. Now, my children now are now, you know, the Emily who just sung, she's 20, will be, no, no, she's 19. She's going to be 20. I got a 21-year-old and a 24, and I'm going to be a grandfather, so I'm all excited about that. But, you know, as the kids get older, it's difficult to find something for them. You know, when they were kids, you know, you just go to Toys R Us, and you can grab the first thing that you see on the shelf, wrap it up, and they're going to love it. They don't really care. They don't really, they just want something. Nowadays, it's more with batteries and electronics, but I remember the times where you could get a kid a gift, and they would play with it. You know, a fire truck was something that was enjoyable. It didn't have to have buttons to push. It didn't have to speak. It didn't have to have access to the Internet. It was just a truck that you could have, you know, have fun with. And as they grow older and it gets more and more difficult, I know that we were just talking about Christmas is made for children, right? And so that's why we're excited because next year, you know, we'll have a a grandchild. And uh, I didn't say grandson, right? I said grandchild. I'm trying to be, uh, be fair for both sides. And, you know, there's something about that. But we spend so much time and energy trying to find that perfect gift that it shares how it is that we feel. At least sometimes we find that. We find ourselves just, sometimes that's so much, I believe, of the Christmas depression is just trying to find that gift. Well, I want to share with you some of the best ever Christmas lists. Here's something, if you haven't, if you haven't finished your list, here is something here that you might have. The first one is a glowing tablecloth. For only $1,800, you too can have a fabric that gives the table an ethereal glow. It will really let your mother know and and make a statement with her meals, saying spill anything in your dead meat type of thing. And here's something for all of us would need is an intelligent toilet. Don't you wish your toilet was a little bit more intelligent? For $10,000, you can give the perfect gift for Granny. Not only does she get a pre-warmed seat and an automatic lid, this toilet will actually give her a thorough medical exam. Sensors will check her weight and blood pressure and even analyze her urine. That's the gift that says, I love you. Or how about a missile base? For those of you who have a little bit extra money on your side, for $1.8 million, a real missile base can be yours. Or for those that are fishermen, any fishermen in here, anyone that likes to fish, for $2 million, you can have a diamond fishing lure. It has 4,753 diamonds and rubies encased in three pounds of gold and platinum. Just the kind of lure you like to use. But then here's one. 
Here's the one for those that want to give it all to their loved one, their fellow friends, is be the first moon tourist. For $100 million, you two, there's a company called Space Adventures, and they're offering you the chance to be the first lunar tourist. For $100 million, it can be yours. Well, obviously, we see the absurd is these are actually real items that are for sale. I don't know if they had many takers for them, but you can see the thing that sometimes it can be just outlandish trying to find that gift. But what, what many of us find is that usually when we open up our gifts, there's those old one, un, unwanted ones, right? You ever gotten an unwanted gift? You know, how do you do, how to give the unloved gift an afterlife? Well, we say we can return the item, right? We can send it back. We can give the gift to charity. We can sell the present. A hold a gift rat, a swapping party. That's an interesting one. Or keep it and give it as a gift next year, which is probably what many of us will do. But we have to ask the question, what is that perfect gift? Many of us will get a gift, and, and we may really love it, but for the most part, it's just things that we really don't really want or need. What is it, that perfect gift? Is it a quality of life? Is it family unity? Is it, boy, I wish for Christmas I had a better job, better pay, better benefits? Maybe lower taxes? Maybe it's the end of poverty, the end of homelessness? Or maybe it's like the angels say, peace on earth. What would we give just to have some peace on earth? That would be a perfect gift, would it not? The problem is that somebody would be there to spoil it, probably ourselves. There's all sorts of gifts. You know, we get them. But you and I don't really need as more and more gifts. We have more gifts than we know what to do with, right? Even in times of economic uncertainty, we have plenty of gifts. We always find money, whether it's going and spending something that we should be spending on or just going in debt, we always have. But to have the perfect gift, to have the perfect gift would be wonderful. What would you spend to have the perfect gift? Well, the question that we need to start asking is not really, what is it that you want for Christmas? Isn't that what we ask? What is it that you would like for Christmas? What is it you want? The real question we need to start asking is, is what do you need? What is it that you truly need for Christmas? And I want to share with you, the scripture tells us that God has given us the perfect gift. Not what we want, not what we desire, but the one gift that you and I truly need. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, fortunately in your music sheet that we had in the bulletin, you'll see that there was some overt Bible verse on there. So you can grab that out. I'd like for you to do that just so you can follow along with me. I'd like to share with you God's perfect gift. And Father, I want to thank you in advance for this gift. And we want to ask for your presence this morning. Speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you keep our minds focused here. Let us be able to put away the depression or the weight or all the things that, Lord, that just keep our hearts so busy. Open us up to see a truth that is so pure, that is so loving, and that is so true. And I pray that we would rejoice in that gift. In the name of your Son, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. What you really need for Christmas is the perfect gift. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 1, it gives us some bad news. We usually think of Christmas as good news. But before you get good news, there's some bad news. 
And Paulus here is writing to a church. It's a church of real people like you and I. They were real families. They were people that worked for a living. They were people that had dreams and aspirations just like you. And in many cases, they might have been very similar. They wanted the best for their children. They wanted a better life for themselves. They wanted to enjoy life. They wanted their life to mean something. Here's what Paul had to say through the Holy Spirit. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And once you once walked, you followed the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons or children of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Doesn't start out as good news, does it? You see, the good news actually starts with the bad news. And the bad news is that you and I have a problem. And we have to ask, well, why do I even need a gift? I, I kind of like walking and living in the passions of my flesh and desires. You see, that's what we do. That, that's what Madison Avenue does for us on TV and radio. They find out what your desire is, what your craving is, and then they try to meet that need. Now, the ones that are very creative and very smart, they actually create a desire or expose a desire that might have been hidden in your heart. I have shared this with other people. That's, I think, the genius of Steve Jobs. I'm not an Apple fan. Let's put that out there. Let that not disune any of you from coming to the church. But the genius of Steve Jobs is that he created a product and then made you crave and desire something that you never asked for. You weren't walking around one day saying, boy, I wish I had an iPhone. I wish I had an iPad and iTouch. I wish I had a... You, you didn't think of those things. They were not in our vernacular. We weren't going, he created something and created a desire. And you may say, what's wrong with that? Well, let me ask you. You've been living, most of you here are, 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 you know, above 16, 17, 18, 20 years of age. You've now been living, carrying out your own desires, living out your own uh, dreams and aspirations. Let me ask you, how are you doing with that? How's your life working out for you? In the honesty of a dark night, we would see that our soul is empty. And we truly crave something more than what we have. Why do you need this gift? Because the Bible says that we are actually disobedient children, children of wrath. Our very nature is against God. And you say, well, why do I need this gift? I don't have a problem. God, I don't care what God says. Well, let me share with you why you need this gift, because the wrath of God. It says, for the wages of sin, of living for your own desires, is death. And that is appointed for man once to die. And after that death, there is a judgment. Death is not the end. There is a judgment waiting for everyone. And you and I need to be aware of this. And the problem that you and I have to understand this Christmas season 
is that you cannot avoid this judgment. There is no advocate or attorney or lawyer that is slick enough or that is good enough to get you out of this jam. You are not going to be able to earn your way with good works. And we can do good works. There are many people that are doing wonderful and great humanitarian acts today. You know, helping children out of the sex trade, building, digging wells, and, and, and feeding the homeless, and, and doing all sorts of things. But yet, the Bible says they're still under the judgment of God. You see, you cannot appease God or make yourself right with Him. That's the bad news. And that sets up what you and I truly need. Because what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 tells us is that we're living our life by our wants and our desires. And the Bible says if you live that way, it will bring you judgment. Something that you and I like to avoid. (coughs) Do we not? We live our life trying to run from the consequences of our own decisions, right? We run from any type of accountability. We don't like the responsibility of how we live in our decisions, so we live in that way. And we medicate ourselves with with pills and, and drugs and alcohol and pornography and entertainment and all sorts of even... Uh, benign things to keep ourselves numb to the pain, not only in this world, but in our life. You see, the perfect gift, what you and I need to understand, is that we need something desperately, and without it, we are all hopeless. And here's where we start to come to the good news. For you and I need a Redeemer. We need a Redeemer. Some who redeems, something who comes and pays and, and gives us so we, can, we don't have to face it ourselves. You and I need a Redeemer to pay for our sins. For the Bible says that all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. And you say, but not I. But the Bible says, yes, you have. You and I understand that we've sinned. We can look in the mirror. Our guilt and our shame accuses us every time we close our eyes, does it not? We can see sin in the fact of a little baby as they cry, wanting their own way in the, or, the, or the tantrum of a two-year-old. You say, that can't be sin. It is. It's one who desires and craves to seek self. And those are just the beginning pains that will rule their life. So you and I need someone to stand before God and to bear God's wrath. In other words, the Bible says that I am fragile and I'm frail and there's no way I can stand before a living and fearful God. His judgment and His wrath is eternal. So how can I stand before Him? The Bible says that God says we need a Redeemer to pay for our sins. The one who will take the brunt of that. The Bible also says that you and I need a Redeemer to earn our righteousness. For even if someone were to pay our sins, we still aren't good and right people. There's nothing within us that can appease God. You say, how could that be so? Well, we go back to Matthew, where Jesus said that you must be perfect, even as my Father is perfect. And so all the things that you and I do, all the good charity works that we do, 
all of the religious things that we do. The Bible says that's not enough to earn our righteousness. The Bible says none is righteous, no, not one. It says no one understands and no one seeks for God. It says they've all turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. The Bible says you need a Redeemer. But here comes the good news because in verses 4 through 7 of Ephesians chapter 2, we see that God now provides, though, that Redeemer. That need that we have as a Redeemer, God is going to provide it. As he says in verse 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, something I don't deserve, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved, and he's raised us up with him, and he's seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, God has sent his son, Jesus, to be our substitute. God says, I know that you deserve this, but I'm going to send someone else, and he is going to die in your place, and he's going to earn the righteousness that you need. The Bible says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, we talk about a gift exchange. You've all done that, whether it's at work or in the families. As you get older, you might just do a gift exchange. And this one, the Bible, is called the great exchange. God says, I tell you what, I'm going to send Jesus, and I want you to give you, I want you to give Jesus my sin or your sin. So in it, God takes my sin and he gives it to Jesus. And in return, Jesus says, and what I'm going to give to you is my righteousness. What a great gift. God says, I'll do what they can't do. For as we see the baby today, we celebrate what he's done and his birth. But yet it says that he was obedient to the Father in all things. There was one who walked in perfect obedience, and that's Jesus Christ. He accomplished what I could not do. He obeyed when I could not. His mind was pure when mine was filled with filth. In all things, God earned, Christ earned our righteousness. Richard Hooker from, Learn, from his Learned Discourse writes this, Let it be counted folly or frenzy or fury or whatsoever. It is our wisdom and our comfort. We care for no knowledge in the world but this that man has sinned and God suffered, that God made himself the sin of men and that men are made the righteousness of God. So what's the gift that God has given us? God and his love and his mercy made us alive by giving us the great gift, a great redeemer of Jesus, one who took on my sin and paid the penalty and in return gives me his righteousness not because of something that I've done, but as we see by his grace. For that's the question I have. If that gift is Jesus, his Redeemer, how do I get that gift? Well, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, and look at verse 8. For he says, By grace you have been saved through faith, 
And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man can boast. And that's what we see. You know, you can go to a church, you can come and you can participate in the services, you could sing with all the gusto, you could play the instruments, you can even get up here and preach, you can teach Sunday school, you can take communion, you can get baptized, you can do all those things, but yet they still will fall short of God's glory. He says, no one will be able to boast, for this gift is from the mercy of God. It's a gift from God. In the, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul writes that a free gift of God is that the free gift of God, excuse me, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And he says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, it says that you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone, it says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And here's where I want to stop. Because I want to ask you today, will you make that decision today? Here's your life as it is. It's right here in this passage of Scripture. It says that you are a child of disobedience. You are in your nature. You are a child of, uh, or excuse me, you are a, a children of wrath by nature. It says that we were rebellious. It says that we were enemies of God. And again, I'll say once again, you say, well, I have no problem with God. I have no problem with God. And what's my answer to that? God has a problem with you. And it's who we are. It's our nature. And so you must understand, let me tell you, I don't know where your mind is right now. I don't know if you're listening to me. I don't know where your heart is. But would you listen to what this Christmas story is about this morning? It's about you needing a Redeemer. You cannot stand against God's wrath alone. Your life is wrecked by sin and by evil and all those things. And I know that goes against our nature. I had one man tell me one time uh, as we sat down, he goes, I don't see myself as evil. I am not evil. And I had to share with him what the scripture says about it. Evil is any time we set ourselves against the creature. Every time we decide to do what we want instead of what the Bible says, the Bible says that's against God. And that is tough and difficult news. But let me share with you, please. The Bible says you do not have to face the judgment of God. The Bible says that there is a gift and that gift is yours for the taking. The Bible says that Jesus took his wrath of God. He took our sins, and in exchange, he gives us his righteousness. Now, that's not for all the world. It's only, the Bible says, it's only for those who believe and say, yes, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I have a need of a redeemer. I have no desire to face God on my own. And I humbly and ask and repent of my sin. I recognize that trying to live the life to please myself is wrong. And I'm ready now to turn and trust that God has accepted what Jesus has done on my behalf. Would you make that decision today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Let me ask you, would you today say, you know what, I choose Christ. I want to be a child of obedience. I want to have a new nature. Would you in your heart this morning say, Rob, I'm going to choose Christ. Would you this morning? I pray that you would.
For without it, you're hopeless. Your life has no meaning. And Christmas continues to pass you by. And you're living a life of futility. Will you make that decision? And then I ask this last question. Is what are you to do with that gift? For many of us, we receive a gift. You can open it or you can just kind of put it to the side. Or you may open it and say, oh, well, that's nice. It's a nice gift. I really could use that as something I need. And then we find ourselves putting it up on the shelf and looking at it every once in a while. The Bible says, how can we neglect so great a salvation? This is a gift that's more than just a one-time decision. Let me share with you that this is a gift that will give to you the rest of your life and into eternity. So what do you do with this gift? I pray that you accept it. I pray that you would unwrap it. I pray that you would embrace it. I pray that you would say, mine, mine, this is more precious, more treasurable than anything else I could have. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, he says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And you may say, wait a second, I'm now supposed to do good works? Good works before wasn't good enough, and that's right. Good works will not earn God's favor. But yet God says, because we were created and we are now in Him, that we are now to work out and live out our salvation. In other words, instead of being children of disobedience, we're now children of obedience. Instead of being nature, children of wrath, we are now children of God. So what should you do with this perfect gift? You need to live it out. The Bible says that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him, for God, who for their sake died and was raised. In other words, I have a new reason for living. I now have a gift that enables me now to desire God, to say no to those internal combats that I have in my soul. I no longer have to fight with my spouse. I no longer have to uh, harbor bitterness and a grudge. God has given me the ability to say yes to Him, live it out. Unfortunately, there's so many of you that have accepted Christ, or I should say so many, that have accepted this gift, put it aside and say, now I'll still live what I want. I now have fire insurance. I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. This week, a pastor friend of mine back in Illinois wrote on his Facebook, if I'm saved, can I live any way that I want to? Something that, and you know those types of things, as soon as you see it, you know that this conversation is not going to go well and so I write a few things, and somebody else comes off, and next thing you know, I get one of those guys that writes one of those three-page Facebook things. You, do you know people like that? You're just doing something simple, and all of a sudden, they just got to write this something big. Are you one of those people? Don't be one of those type of people. I finally said, you know what? I need to disengage. This is somebody else's wall. But in reality, what he was saying is, is I can accept the gift of God, and I can just live any way I want to. I still get to heaven. Men, that's like looking at your wife and saying, you know, I know, you know I love you. You know that I married you. And you know that we're going to build a house together. But I tell you what, I'm going to keep on dating. 
and I'm going to keep seeing this other woman, and I'm going to see a couple other women. Let me ask you, how well do you think that would go over with your wife? Not too well. How about husbands, if your wife said that? Or how about your children said something to you? You'd say, no way. If you love me, you would show it. But we need to live out the salvation. If today you're not living out your salvation, then I would ask you to go back and choose and make a decision. Because there may be a danger that you never really truly chose Christ. So live it out and then share it. For as the Bible says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And you know the term reconciliation, it's an accounting term. It means to bring things in balance. We use it when we're looking at reconciling our checkbook or our accounts. So what he's saying here is God has brought into balance the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, speaking of those of us that have chosen Christ. And he's entrusted to us that ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that's what I'm doing today. I, as ambassador of God, I'm imploring you today, be reconciled to God this Christmas season. Do not walk out that door without choosing the real gift, the only gift, that you truly need. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. First, I want to thank you for this gift. What a wonderful gift. What a gift that gives throughout not only our times, but for eternity. And I thank you for giving that gift. Not something that I have to buy, not something that I have to earn, but because you loved me, you gave it to me. And Father, now I pray that you would give that to others. Open people's hearts this morning. Help them to see their true need. There may be some here that, Lord, that heard this message and said, no thanks. Lord, let that not be the case. I pray that they'd examine their hearts to the Spirit, show them their need for a Redeemer. And, Lord, I pray that they would choose you, that you would make your home with them, and that you would give them the new life. And we find the true meaning of what life is about. And, Lord, if there's any Christians here today, that have accepted that gift, but the Father, they're not living it out, they're not sharing it, I pray that you would grab them with both hands and you would shake them to the core and let them see their need to be the ambassadors you called us to. This is a gift that is so precious, that is so treasurable, that is so needful that we cannot hold it to ourselves. It is a gift that we are to share. Let us do so with love and compassion. We pray this in the name of the Father. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.